Sometimes life is messy. Have you ever wished you could refocus your mind, home, relationships, and work life? Join us as we use research-based information to make practical changes and simplify life. This is Life Simplified. Welcome back to Life Simplified. September is National Preparedness Month. Many of our listeners have experienced how natural disasters can occur at any time and often with little warning. Throughout the month, we will talk about preparing and protecting your family and home, food and water safety, financial considerations before and after a natural disaster, and navigating trauma after a natural disaster. As we discuss these things, we will be sharing experiences that we are, have either experienced firsthand or concerns that we have. And in today's episode, we will be talking about tornadoes, hurricanes, earthquakes, and ice storms. So feel free if you have experienced any of those recently or that's still really recent in your mind, feel free to come back and listen to these episodes at a later date. To get us started... Let's talk about our experiences with natural disasters or what types of disasters concern us the most. I can talk about as far as um, whenever one of the hurricanes hit down in Mississippi around New Orleans area and that um, it's been many, many years ago, but I went down with a group far as to go help clean up and also far as um, feed the ones that, you know, wasn't able to have a kitchen in that. And that was just very eye-opening to see how things happen, you know, down on the coast side when a hurricane does come in. You know, it doesn't affect us here in Kentucky as much. We may have rain, but, you know, just that was a complete different experience for me. For me, I would say something that I'm constantly on high alert about our tornadoes. And specifically since back in December of 2021, we had a very significant tornado, actually multiple tornadoes that came through the Western part of our state. And our family's farm was one of the farms that was in the path. There was a lot of people that were were affected by that event. And so I have some firsthand experience with what that was like, both as an individual and then a, as a business. And for me, it's um, more of a concern versus an experience. Um, we experienced a small earthquake about half a mile from our house, um, and there was actually two. One was a little bit farther away, um, but that was very eye-opening to me to think about what what would we have done if it was a larger earthquake, and if we're prepared for something like that, and how would we we would react if that was a large earthquake. I think back to the ice storm and I was not prepared for then. I was, I did not have a family at that time. So I was really just taking care of myself and was not prepared at all for that and really didn't give it much thought even when it was happening. And then Tiffany mentioned the tornado and I was not personally affected by the tornado, but many in our area were. And so that has been a really eye-opening experience and thinking about being prepared for those things. 
So one of the things that we're going to talk about today is an emergency plan. So thinking about some of those disasters that we talked about or the disasters that are common in our area, do you have an emergency plan? So for me, it's not a complete plan. We, of course, have talked about it. And in my mind, I think about it a lot um, of what we would do and things like that. Um, I have taken a few steps to getting more prepared, but I think I have a lot of opportunity to to actually be prepared for all of us because we're a family of three now, kind of like you mentioned. And a lot of that having a young son plays into what would he have to be have met versus us because of adults you know our needs aren't as complicated um as his are I would agree with Amanda um we've definitely done some things to be more prepared than we were before but we're not there yet I, I know we still have work to do and there are things that I know I need to do and I just haven't done yet and I think it's like a lot of things right after the event, you are very cognizant and you're ready to get to get all the things together. Um, and then as time goes on, it's easy to forget. But I think this is an important reminder that you never know when something's going to happen. And so this is even me speaking to myself, like, I, I know what I need to do. I need to do it because it will make life much easier um, if something does happen again. You know, Tiffany, I like how you said that, you know, not yet. And myself, I've never been scared of storms at all. But when the tornado that you just referred to hit, I had my granddaughter and I was like, you know, I usually don't leave my house. I live in a modular home. And so her daddy called and he's like, can you please go, you know, somewhere that has a basement in that? And my friend had already texted me and said, hey, why don't you come on to the house? And I was like, oh, no, we're fine. I was only thinking about myself. And then after he called, I realized, you know what, that's his daughter. I need to do what, you know, what's best for her instead of just staying at the house, which we didn't have any storm damage, but I was less than a half a mile from that tornado and I didn't have anything. But I'm glad though, that I went ahead and went to my friend's house, you know, that had a basement so I need to also think about others besides myself because I'm not scared, you know, and, but there's others in my household that are. So just having that plan together of what you're going to do and give yourself plenty of time to do it if you need to leave your home. Those are all really excellent points. And I'm the same after the tornado, I was very much like, okay, I'm going to get my plan together. I'm going to get my go bag together of all of those documents. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to get that bag together. And let me tell you that next storm that came around where we did leave our home, I had a bag and I grabbed it and I took it. And then since then I've let it, I've let it go. I've put everything back where it's home was. And I haven't, I don't have my go bag anymore. We talked about how we kind of have a plan, a little bit of a plan, at least an idea of what we would do in a situation. We may not have a written out plan, but have we talked about that with our family? Have you discussed that with your family? Does your family know what the plan is? My kids are very sensitive to to weather, incoming weather now um, since this event. So it's definitely something we have discussed as a family, but I would say we've probably talked more in depth um, as a couple, my husband and I. So I do think 
that it would be nice to pull them in and maybe just go over it every now and then. Because like I said before, as time goes on, it's easy to forget. I think it's good to have those reminders. And then also to like pivot because as we grow and change as a family, our plan may need to grow and change as well. And so I think it's good to always review that plan. And is there a way we can make it better? Is there something we didn't consider before that we need to take into consideration now? So yeah, they've been looped in, but I think we can do better. I know I can definitely do better. Like I said, we were not personally affected in the tornado, but I have noticed that my youngest is much more sensitive to not that she ever loved storms and lightning or anything like that to begin with, but she does get a lot more nervous now when she sees it happening. And I think that's probably because we did leave one time because usually we're just like, it's okay. We don't, we don't need to leave. We're safe. And she got that, she got that taste of, yes, this is something serious. We've got to get out of here. We need to, we're going to protect you. And that's just one of the things that I always try to tell her is that it's my job to keep you safe and I'm going to do whatever I need to do to keep you safe. So, but I I think I can do a lot better of explaining a plan to her. So we, I kind of follow along the same. Son's too young to have to talk to it about, um, but we have left our home before to go to our in-laws to the basement with him and I think my husband's always been well we're fine we're staying here but once we've had a child we're more apt to be like all right we're going um so we have had some discussions about that but we could do better kind of like you all and probably everybody listening there's always opportunities to improve and we've talked a lot about on our podcast series, you know, if you make a plan and you write it down, you're more likely to react to it and know it and make it happen versus if it's in your head or you're just talking about it. Um, So I think that's definitely something that we could do as a family is actually write it out and, and plan it in our heads as well. Well, speaking of doing better, Let's go over some ways that we can do better and that we can create our emergency plan. So the first thing to do is really just think about what types of disasters are common in your area. Joni mentioned earlier, we don't worry about hurricanes here in Kentucky, but that is a concern in other places. So we think about tornadoes and we think about earthquakes and then ice storms, but what is common in your area, and then think about how you would actually respond to each one. The next step would be to determine how you will receive emergency alerts and warnings, and those can be really helpful. And I've not always been very good about this. Uh, There are different services in our area where you can sign up for a one call, and it took me a really long time before I finally just signed up for that. I have now. But check in your area. Is there something you can sign up for that you can get a text message or you can get a phone call? Do you have a weather radio? There are different mobile apps that you can use. The news on television, on the radio, social media, there are lots of different ways for us to get information these days. So any way that you can get it. But keep in mind that if the power goes out, some of those things won't work. So do you have a backup if your power goes out? And this one is pretty important too. Know the different types of alerts 
and the warnings. And I'm not going to lie to you. This took me a little bit of time to really understand what's the difference between a watch and a warning. And do we know what that difference is? Have you seen the, the taco Yes. Analogy. I okay. love the taco analogy. Yes. <laughs> I so don't I, guess I've seen it. Oh. It's so good. It's so good. You'll it's never so not good. know the difference between a warning and a watch ever again. Okay. Exactly. I'm interested. I've never heard of it either. So I'm curious to know what it is. Okay. So floating around social media, there was a taco analogy and I couldn't tell you when it was, but I did look to see if I could find the original source because you know when you when you share all the memes and all the things then you don't really know who the source was right and what I have found is it that it originated with normal fire department and if I am incorrect someone please let me know because that is what I could find but here's what it is a watch means that you're getting prepared because a hazard could occur so let's think about tacos. We have all the ingredients for the tacos. Then your warning is the hazard is already occurring or it's very likely to occur soon. You're having the tacos and you're eating them right now. They are ready. They're ready to go. They're put together. Yes. The watch, we have the ingredients. The warning, our tacos are assembled. Yes, I'm never going to forget that because, I mean, I think we've mentioned before how much I love tacos. Do we talk about tacos often on the podcast? So a we watch. <laughs> right. We eat a lot of tacos together. We, we do. We That's do. True. We okay. like tacos. I wish we was gathered to go have tacos today. I know. <laughs> so a watch, your ingredients are there. Your warning, you're ready to eat. I like it. I'm going to have to look it up just so I can visually see. Um, but it makes sense. And mm -hmm. I, I think that I'm better. And I think that's something good for kids. It makes it simpler for kids, too, that yeah. you can share that. And when you see the visual, I think that really helps, too. Like, especially for someone who's more of a visual learner, like, oh, okay, it clicks. There's that aha moment. Now I understand what they're trying to say. Because it can be confusing when you watch the weather and you get all these different alerts. And it's intimidating. And it can be scary if you've already been through an event and you're not really sure what they're trying to share with you. Now, keep in mind that not every hazard or disaster has a level of alert at some point. Some do arise too quickly to announce. So, but if there is time, then our weather outlets are trying to keep us informed. And I, I want to go back just a second to, you know, your weather radio or how are you going to get that information? And and I'll be really honest, when the tornado came through our area, I am one of those people that sleeps with my phone on silent. I am not easy to get a hold of in the middle of the night. And I know that that's really bad. Um, and I and I need to do something different about that. But that night that that happened, um, I actually, the only reason. And I woke up before that tornado got to our farm was because my watch alarm went off. Like it was an alert on my smartwatch and I didn't even know it did that. Like, I, I, and it's not done it since. So I don't know what that was, but it was, it was definitely a good thing. Cause then when I picked up my phone to look, I had so many texts and alerts from family and apps and just all kinds of warnings that I didn't hear at all. And if it hadn't been for my watch alarm going off to alert me something was was happening, 
we could have really been in a bad spot. Um, and it would have been an even scarier situation because we would have had zero time to prepare for that event. So I do encourage everyone like really think about um, when these things happen overnight and you're asleep, you know, how are you going to get the message that something's coming? And, you know, a lot of times we'll have an idea that there could be some weather events occurring in the middle of the night. We'll know ahead of time. Um, but sometimes we don't. And, and I will say that that day I would have never guessed that that was going to happen. So just being aware of that and and don't be like me, have some way for people to contact you. Yeah. And I like the weather radio. I know not a lot of people have those anymore. Um, when we got married, that was a gift that I think it was my mother-in-law gave us and it is um, you can plug it in or it's battery as well. And we tend to unplug it sometimes just because it does go off, but you can set those to certain locations. And so whether you have one or you don't, I mean, I would suggest at least looking into one or giving it as a gift like we did mm -hmm. because we probably never would have bought one on our own. So if you know someone who's getting married or um, moving into a new home or something, that's always something useful that you could get. Yeah. And I don't think they're terribly expensive either. They're not, mm -mm. Yeah. but it's not something I would have been like, oh, I need a weather radio, you know, yeah. but the next step in creating your plan is to create an emergency kit and an emergency contact list. So think about those relatives, those friends, those neighbors, your local resources, doctors, pharmacies, things that you really wouldn't think too much about because you have all those numbers stored in your phone. But how many numbers do you have memorized? I have very few numbers memorized these days, and it may seem kind of silly to write that list down, but if you were to ever need it and not have access to the numbers in your phone, that could come in really handy. And we're going to talk about an emergency kit in our next episode, so we'll come back to that next time. Have a shelter plan as well as an evacuation plan. And keep in mind that if your family is not all together during this time, where you would meet? And do you have more than one way to get to that place? Because if one of the areas is blocked, you would need to be able to get around to go another way. How will you communicate if you're not together? What if there's not cell phone service? We, we rely a lot on our phones and when our phones are down that's that's a really scary thing i i think you guys would agree that when your cell phone's down there for a little bit it might seem like okay here's some peace and quiet but if it's in the middle of a disaster you don't want that peace and quiet you're you're wanting to talk to the people who matter to you yeah and i think one tip is if the cell phones are down Calling is not going to happen, but every once in a while you can get a text to go through. So a lot of times trying to send a text to say, I'm okay, I'm at this location. Like you can't get a lot of back and forth probably, but if you can get one to go through, you have a better shot than that. And if you are able to get through, it can be really helpful to like push that out on social media. So people in your immediate area can kind of know what's going on with, with people that they know that are there as well. Be mindful of any special needs that your family may have. Amanda mentioned her young son, that he needs a lot more than 
they as his parents might need? Um, are there special medications that someone in your family might need? Do you have pets? Is there anyone who is not able to get around as well? What special needs do you have in your family? And make sure that you have those, have a plan for that and have that on hand. Think about taking a CPR or a first aid class. You never know when that might come in handy. Keep items that you may need to grab quickly in an easily accessible location. So I told you I had my go bag at that second storm after the tornado, but my go bag has since gone away. Keep shoes handy, your phone, your keys, your ID, mm -hmm. any type of medication. Are those in a place where you could grab them quickly if you needed them? Yeah. Awesome. And I would say like shoes were super important to me during the tornado. Um, we were building a house on the farm across the road and we were staying in one of the older farmhouses and we had to go into the cellar and it was, it was an old dirt cellar, not somewhere I wanted to be unless I had to be, but I got down there very gladly that, that evening. Um, but shoes. And then also I grabbed a few blankets because my thought was if we can cover ourselves you know, if something's falling on us or if there's anything like just something to protect us a little bit. And so I tried to grab those two things, shoes, blankets. I want to go back um, and you, what you said a while ago, as far as about CPR classes and first aid classes. I know the America Red Cross, they have several different for disaster classes that you can take and be certified because whenever I went to Pascola, Mississippi for the hurricane, I had to go through that class so that way I knew how to handle you know certain situations and that so anytime your American Red Cross is offering these type of classes I would I would suggest that you take them and we mentioned earlier about practicing and updating your plan it's one thing to have a plan but it's another to not only discuss it with your family but practice it and we think about it in schools our children have they practice drills, they practice those safety drills, and we hope that they never have to use them. But if they didn't practice them in an emergency, when you're already feeling overwhelmed, and it's very easy to go into that panic mode and not remember what you're supposed to do. We talked about making an emergency plan and what to do before to be prepared. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about after a natural disaster and how to protect your family and home. What was the first thing you did after the natural disaster that you discussed earlier? I think the first thing we did, well, first of all, it was the middle of the night. Um, it continued to rain very heavily for hours. So there was not a lot we could do and no electricity, no lights. It was very, very dark. And so the first thing we did once it was daylight and we could actually see is we assessed the the damage, like what, what are the losses? What does this look like? And just began to think, how do we move forward? What do we need to do? So it was really for us like an assessment of like, okay, what, what has actually happened? That's kind of the same for us. Um, it, the earthquakes happened. It was about 10 o'clock at night. We were just winding down for the night and we thought a car had hit our house and it just shook the house and it was a loud noise. And then about, I don't know, three minutes later, it happened again on the other side of the house. And so we made sure our son was okay. Our son slept through it. Uh, he wakes up if we cough the wrong way, but he sleeps through an earthquake. It makes no sense to me, <laughs> but luckily he did sleep through it. But my husband 
uh, in his position has a lot more access to emergency management and things like that. So we were able to kind of go through our head, like, what was that? And he, I'm, I'm not from Western Kentucky. Uh, he grew up here. So he was like, it's an earthquake. And I was like, there's no way, but just having knowledge of what it may be. Um, and then I think thinking about how you can find out information, because even we talked about being prepared and how to find out if something's coming, but also, uh, finding out like, for instance, if it was an earthquake, um, just to figuring out what happened and what it is and what your next step should be. Um, we actually live on the river, and so flooding is an issue where we are at. Um, even it's not, it just rains a whole lot. And sometimes I have to take a different way to work just because of how the roads are made. Um, but just knowing that and being able to find out what roads are closed and things like that. So I think it's definitely important to have that knowledge of what resources to look for after things happen. Yeah. And I would also add like stay put unless you're in a damage home or vehicle and you need to get out for your safety because what we saw were people would get out and it was still like I said it was still very dark there was no electricity there was lots of rain and we had multiple people that were out just trying to assess what was happening and maybe check on loved ones but then they were getting stuck and then people were having to come help get them out and so that kind of compounds the issue. So if you are in a safe place and your family is okay, you know, staying put just for the, the that initial moment till you can see where you can go can really help because you don't want to get in a situation where you're pulling um, first responders away from another incident because you've gone out trying to do something and it wasn't time yet. Those are all really excellent points. And speaking of first responders, you always want to follow the directions of those first responders. Their goal is to keep you as well as the community safe. So pay attention to their direction. And if you are in need of immediate help for mental distress, which we are going to talk about trauma after a natural disaster in a future episode, but if you are in immediate need for help with mental distress, call the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. And for a physical emergency, we would call 911. Amanda mentioned knowing the resources that are available to you. That's also a very important piece to after, after a disaster. You may be feeling overwhelmed with all of the information available to you. But one of the good things is, is that you can come back to that. Tiffany mentioned that to stay put if you are able and that's another really good point, because if you have evacuated your home or whatever location you were in, don't return back to that location until authorities tell you that it is safe to do so. If you have not been personally affected by the natural disaster that has occurred and you would like to volunteer to help others, the Kentucky Emergency Management recommends that you work with an established organization and Check to see what supplies are needed and where to send them before you act. And I know that we saw with the tornado in our area so much love and generosity and so many people were willing to help. I mean, we were getting truckloads of stuff every day. So we know that, the, that there are people that want to help. And just keep that in mind that whenever you are 
you are wanting to help to see what's see what's needed and because there's always going to be a need that could be met and be flexible in your volunteer role I think keeping in mind that if you can't help immediately after there's still things that you can do to help later on down the road um I was not directly affected by the tornado, but the county that I work in was, and I had a newborn and my husband in his position was helping in other ways in other counties. And so, you know, I felt just discouraged because I wasn't there to help and I didn't have things to do. But one thing that I could do like a week or so after was go volunteer at one of the donation sites and help sort through things and organize things. So even though I was not able to provide something instantly, there was some things to do. And still to this day, it's been, you know, a year and there's still things that need to be done. So even if you can't immediately help, I think it's good to just think about ways. And like you said, to really find what's needed. Um, A lot of times people just send things and send things and that's amazing. But sometimes it's just maybe monetary donations or things like that. And just be aware of where you're sending, like you mentioned, your donations. You want to make sure that you're sending sending it to somewhere where it's going to get to the people that actually need it. I agree. And I will also say if if it's a disaster that has happened in your area, but it didn't affect you. Um, one of the things that was, you know, priceless for us is we we did have lots of family and friends and just community members that came out and helped with cleanup or helped rebuild or had machinery we could borrow or all those things. But if that's not something you have, another thing that was super helpful was just a meal, you know, for us while we were cleaning up and for the people helping us clean up so that we could take a break and eat and not have to worry about how are we going to get that meal? How are we going to cook it? You know, all of those things. And we had people that did that for us. And that meant so much and really took that stress off. And I will say another thing that a friend of mine did for me, and it was really hard for me to ask, to ask her to do this, but she said, how can I help you? What can I do? And I said, you know what? We're a family of five. We don't have any electricity. Um, We didn't have it for at least a week. We were all living in my in-law's house. There's like 13 of us. I said, we need some laundry. And so she took like three baskets of my family's dirty laundry and she washed it and folded it and returned it to me. And it was humbling to ask that, but man, it made a huge impact huge impact. So there are ways you can really help in situations like this um, that are really outside of the box and can mean a whole lot to people in your community. It was awesome that you asked her to do that, that you, because I know that, I don't know if you're like me, but that would have been a struggle. Like, I'm not going to ask somebody to wash my dirty clothes, Um, even if you did it, but you just saying, you know what, we need help. And I think that's important if you are hopefully no one is in a situation that they have to do that but if you are, just don't be afraid to express how people can help you yeah I mean people really do want to help and they don't know what to do and like I said it, it it was hard but that's what I needed and she was willing to do it and it made a huge impact and it has made an impact on my life for forever um and so you just never know but also, you're right. Be willing. If you are the person experiencing it, be be willing to truly ask for what you need because people want to help you. We have had some great discussion today about planning for a natural disaster. And I hope that 
listeners are encouraged and honestly us too. I hope we're encouraged to really finalize our plan and get back to that emergency plan making and discuss it with our family. In future episodes, we will talk more about that emergency kit and financial considerations, as well as navigating trauma after a natural disaster. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening. If you are interested in helping us spread the word about our podcast, there are multiple ways that you can do so. You can take our survey and share that survey. It is on our Facebook page, Life Simplified Podcast. You could take a screenshot of your favorite episode and share that on social media. You could rate us and or leave a review on your podcast app. If you have ideas for future episodes or you have any questions, feel free to contact us at lifesimplifiedpodcast at gmail.com. This is Life Simplified. Thanks for listening to Life Simplified. We are family and consumer sciences agents with the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service. Contact us at lifesimplifiedpodcast at gmail.com.